0: and much more. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Inshallah, today uh, we will start our session uh, from the life of Rasulullah sallallahu in Medina. We talked about uh, the Hijrah of Rasulullah وسلم, uh, in the last couple of sessions. Um, so before we talk about the, the, the whole life of Rasulullah in Medina, there are a couple of uh, things to remember. Even in Medina, uh, Medina was a time where Muslims were living under Islam. This is the time they were living under Islam. Meaning Rasulullah وسلم, was the ruler over the Muslimin at that time. So the life from that perspective was different. So this is a completely different phase now some of the people they actually divide that life of Rasulullah just for the purpose of understanding into some other phases as well Uh, like for example in the beginning phase when Rasulullah made the Hijrah until the Sulah this is considered as one phase of Rasulullah's life life, in which uh, uh, Muslims were actually uh, uh, they were building up the state that was built in Medina. Uh, and then after that, after Sulayh Hudaybiyah, the second phase that can be seen is from that time of Sulayh Hudaybiyah until, so that was the sixth uh, year of the hij- uh, Hijrah, Hijri, the Sulayh Hudaybiyah was done until the Fatah Makkah, when the Makkah was opened. So that's another considered as the phase. Uh, then from Fatah Makkah until Rasulullah passed away. And we can see that the, uh, the differences in those things, meaning just from the the way the da'wah was progressing, not that the state was not there uh, uh, until Makkah or something, rather, the, st- the state that Rasulullah S.W. established over there that started after the Hijra of Rasulullah. S.W. And it continued on until Rasulullah S.W. passed away, and then the state was continued on after, after that by the, uh, the Khulafa. But uh, to, to study that, we can see the difference in those phases is, in the first one, you can see that uh, until Sulayman Hudaybiyah, uh, there was uh, quite a bit of difficult times The Muslims were going through Even in Medina And then after Sula'i Hudaybiyah uh, Because the Kuffar of Mecca They had the treaty with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And Muslims had uh, uh, the chance to take Islam To the rest of the world also And we see that after Sula'i Hudaybiyah Rasulullah wa was reaching out To the kings also sending letters And then after Fatah makkah uh, we see that the Muslims, uh, people were entering into the folds of Islam in big groups. So, uh, now when Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi uh, moved to Medina, it is very important to understand the, the situation of the Muslims at that time. Because that was a very newly state built by Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi There were difficult times. And nowadays, uh, It is more important for us to even study that uh, phase of Rasulullah's life as well. Because there are people out there who are even, uh, we know of, for example, in Pakistan, Imran Khan is uh, saying as if he is building a Medina state. Yeah, or or on the footsteps of the Medina state, is building Pakistan into Medina state. So it is important to understand, okay, fine. If he is going into that kind of position, uh, uh, he's taking those steps, what are those steps he's taking and what did Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam do? So it's important to compare those things as well, right? So when Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam migrated to Medina, uh, 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 the things changed drastically. Number one thing is, there were actually three different groups of people, and if you wanna say four, you can say four as well. So there were uh, three or four diff- distinct groups existed in Medina, number one The first one were the Muslims Whether they were from the Ansar Or from the Muhajri They were all Muslims Second group of people were Mushrikeen Now uh, If you want to put the Munafiqeen in there as well You can put so But I think Munafiqeen is a different category Than the Mushrikeen So Mushrikeen was the second category Then you can see a third category of Munafiqeen And then the fourth category Of people were Yahud the Jews who were uh, there now, what, what, what he said? Uh, no Jews, not in a big number or something that can be considered as a group because these were the people who were living as tribes, they were different tribes of people. So, Jews were, for example, we'll talk about inshallah one by one. So, when it comes to the companions uh, of Rasulullah wa sallam, or the Muslims over there, as I said, that, that itself was comprised of two uh, groups Ansar and Muhajirin. and within Ansar, they were. Two dominant groups also. and Khazraj, okay, and of course there were Muslims who were from different uh, areas as well. But this is these are the big groups that you can distinctly see. But we considered we look at the Muslims as Muslim uh, as, as one group. Now, among the Muslims, uh, uh, the situation actually changed drastically from Mecca to Medina. Mecca, they were uh, they were Muslims who were some pockets here and there who did not not have any kind of a say in the life affairs, if you want to call it, uh, within the Meccan society. As a society, the Muslims did not have the say. But when they came came to Medina, now Muslims had complete authority because of Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he became the Hakim, he became the ruler over there. And now he was ruling by Islam. It's no more uh, Kufr over there and Rasulullah was implementing Islam completely over the Muslims. Now, this is true that the Islam that was implemented over the Sahaba. Now, the ruling, the wahi the, 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 the that was revealed Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi in Medina time, we can see a distinction. In the Meccan time, it was more related to Iman, Aqida, and a few Ahkam. But in Medina now because muslims had the upper hand they are ruling over so now they need they need the rules about all the life affairs whether it's economic system social system ruling system judicial system or whatever kind of a relationship you will have with outside the Medina people as well foreign policies and these things so they all were according to Islam now now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is started revealing the wahi related to all these things now those rules that they came down to Rasulullah the wahi came down to Rasulullah we know over 23 years period of time. So the rules were coming down slowly and gradually. Now, does that mean that there is such thing called gradualism in Islam to implement over us? It is important to understand that. Because sometimes people get confused by this concept of because the wahi was revealed with tadaruj or gradualism or slowly and gradually does that mean that we should be implementing Islam over us with the same pace so that, that is important to take a look so this is why I want to make sure we spend at least few minutes over here for that's that concept what we see in the lives of the Sahaba and Rasulullah is this whenever they came across any Issue, okay, any issue, no matter what it was, they knew that their answers have to come from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and they waited for the hukum of Allah Azza Wa Jal. We know that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala mentioned wa ma illa wahyu yuha. The Rasulullah Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam does not say anything from his desires. Whatever he said, it was from the wahi that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Revealed to Rasulullah wa sallam, and he was commanding the people according to the Okay, So, now those ayat that were revealed, the ahkam, they were revealed about the situations that were coming up. That is actually called that it came for a specific uh, situation or specific Sahabi, but it was for a, a rule for a situation was, uh, was given to us. Actually, it was. It was uh, Asbab al Razul, yeah, so that, that's actually uh, uh, it's a, a rahmah from Allah, جل, if you want to call it, it's a That Allah did not give us the book as a whole. Rather, the wahi came down in small pieces. And those pieces were according to a situation out there. So that actually gives us uh, the cause of revelation as well okay <laughs> so now we can see rasulullah sallallahu is explaining to us from his life also how to look at those ayat and to imp- apply in our life it is uh, uh, it, it makes it much much easier for us to apply the rules so now see the the, 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 the thing is this uh, the rules came down ahkam came down for every situation that muslims were in and they used to wait for rules and they used to not move forward unless they used to get the hukum from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there are many examples for that in the uh, uh, life of Rasulullah s.a.w. and inshallah when we're going through the medina time we will see those examples will be coming up but just to name a couple so we will remember that for example the incident of aisha anha the issue of ifk that accusation that was done about aisha anha right now, Rasulullah SAW did not pass a judgment. Rather, he was waiting for the hukum from Allah, the wahi. And Aisha, she was uh, going through very difficult times at that time, radiallahu anha. But, Rasulullah SAW could not say anything until Allah directed them. So, meaning, he did not pass a judgment about this issue until the rule came. Same thing we see about Ka'ab bin Malik and the other two who left behind in the book. They, their judgment about them that what should be done it was uh, it was not it was not given to them until the wahi came about them and they were forgiven yes they were uh, punished for the action that, that they have they did at that time but on, Allah revealed the ayat about their innocence and we can see the similar thing about the Hukum of Li'an, Li'an is if a husband sees his wife committing adultery then uh, what, to, what, what needs to be done so one of the Sahabi, he, he saw his wife and for that Rasulullah SAW asked for the witnesses and he was saying about do you do, am I supposed to get the witnesses why see an action like this. So the, that, that's the thing. Uh, they waited for the rule from Allah Subh'anaHu. and there are many examples like this, but that shows that the Sahaba used to wait for the hukam of Allah Subh'anaHu ta'ala and the wahi used to reveal and then they used to move forward. So they didn't know such thing as gradualism to say, per se, that uh, Islam needs to be implemented in our lives slowly and gradually. You cannot say that today I'm going to pray and then Insha'Allah if I feel oh, I'm going to start with one Salat today, tomorrow I'll do two and then three and then four. You can probably do it, but what is expected is five, 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 five times a day. So you still have to do five times a day. If you have the nisab or you have a, a specific amount of money, uh, that, that sits for about a year, then you have to pay a care. it's an obligation on you. And same thing goes for the other ahkam in life in general. So, and the other thing is, what we see is, we don't see in the life of uh, Sahaba, for example, the one who became uh, Muslim later on in their time, in Medina period of Rasulullah you don't see them that because you have just entered into the fold of Islam, now you don't have to worry about all the ahkam that reveal, so you go back to the first time uh, and then wait for the rest of the ahkam to, uh, to be applied in your life over the time. You see them when you become a Muslim, you submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above all the ahkam. So you have to follow all the ahkam the time you become a Muslim. Yes, they will take they will, it. takes time for the people to learn about the rulings. that's true, or you don't know what the rules are, you will learn over the time. A person who becomes Muslim may not know how to pray. Of course, it will take him time to learn how to pray. That's a, that's different than to say that a person has to take ahkam of Allah on a gradual level. Uh, 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 gradually, meaning you you don't those things are not obligatory on you or anything. And that goes back to actually on the state level when we talk about the state. Rasulullah as a ruler, he was applying the rules of Allah وسلم, equally on all the people. He was not looking at the people, the one who came to Islam first and second and third, so the rules will be different for different people. All the laws were same for all the people, no matter when they became Muslim. Okay? So, uh, Allah وسلم, actually mentions about Rasulullah uh, that uh, in Surah. Uh, uh, in the Quran, now here when Allah Azza is talking about Rasulullah وسلم, that He has appointed uh, a messenger, uh, الأميين, an unlettered messenger, from among, uh, among them, آياته, who recites the, uh, his ayat. Uh, uh, or uh, the Ayat of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Yuzakihim uh, and He purifies them Wa al wal and He teaches them al-kitab and al-hikmah Now here, sometimes people try to translate this hikmah as the word wisdom. While if you read the tafaseer of this word, you will find here in this ayah al-hikmah means the sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he was there to teach the people Al-Kitab is the Qur'an. Al-Hikmah is the Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because Hikmah itself, yes, literally can be translated probably as wisdom. But it does not mean wisdom in the context of Qur'an and Sunnah. It actually, in the Qur'an... And that's a subject we can discuss, we can discuss some other time. Hikma is used about 20 times, and every place in the Quran it's used in 20 times, you'll find that either means the bua, either it means the sunnah of Rasulullah, either means the judgment from the Quran and Sunnah uh, 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 and Prophethood, it's on and on and on. All those things are within the boundaries of the Wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So hikmah is not used in the sense of you t- look at the ahkam of allah and and then to think about it whether there is a wisdom in to follow it or not it's never used like that in islam because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the one he is the, he is al-hakim He's is the all-wise if he has given us something we take it as is. we say wa whatever allah has given to us we listen and we obey so that's the group of people uh, uh, upon whom rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was, uh, uh, he saw these people, the Al-Ansar, the Muslimin, uh, Al-Muhajireen, in the Medina uh, period, so in the beginning, uh, all the Meccans who came, the being Muhajireen from Mecca, they left everything behind. They, did not, they were not able to bring anything with them, whatever small amount they were able to, but in general, they left most of their stuff back in Mecca. So when they came, they uh, they they were in a very uh, dire need, and Al Ansar were the one who helped them out. So Al Ansar, whether they were well off before then or not, but there's a huge number of Muslims who came from Makkah that made the things a little bit difficult for the Muslims. So the situation became a little bit different. Plus, Meccans, they were creating more troubles after Muslim left Muslim left from Mecca to Medina. Also, they were pushing the other tribes to do some sort of sanctions against the Muslims, in Medina also. Okay, so stopping the uh, trade with these people. So that's another thing that was uh, causing difficulties for the Muslims. So there was difficult times the Muslims were going through in Mecca. We should not forget that in the beginning phase of the Medina, Muslims were going through a lot of difficult times. Now, the second group of people, which Rasulullah so was dealing in Medina when he migrated, was the polytheists of the Mushrikeen. Mushrikeen, the one who did not become Muslim. Okay, now among them, you find the group who had no ill feelings against the Muslims. They did not have ill feelings, and some of the, the they were actually more leaning towards Islam because they were already were sick of the the kind of things that they were worshipping before Islam. Okay, now <laughs> among them, there many of them after a short period of time they became Muslim actually. But there were others who thought of themselves as they had some ill feeling against the Muslim because they thought of it. They they, they lost something because of arrival arrival of Rasulullah Okay, among them there were people like Abdullah bin Obaid bin Salud. So now this guy, he was the head of the Munafikin, uh, and this is a new kind of. Uh, if you want to call it Category of people That Muslims were, face, uh, were facing In Medina Because in Mecca You would not f- think of a person Who will fake to be a Muslim And get tortured But in Medina Muslims had the upper hand Rasulullah wa was the ruler So now here the people Who were trying to get something From the, from the state The Muslims had so they saw Muslims had the power. They had the upper hand in Medina. So now they acted like as if they were Muslims. But deep down in their hearts, they kept their kufar. So in, in in reality, they were kuffar. In reality, they were kuffar. But the, the, the terminology we use is munafiqeen for them. They were hypocrites. Okay? So this is, uh, this is why sometimes some of the authors, they put the mushrikeen and munafiqin sometimes as one category, as the kuffa. Okay? Now, the third category, which was also uh, kuffar, actually. Because jahood are also one of the, the types of kuffar. Because uh, uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says inna alladhina kafaru min ahli kita wal mushrikeen munfakina hatta ta'atiyahum So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to the The people who are from Ahlul Kitab as well, as Kuffar. Allah is the one who is referring them as a Kuffar. Okay, it's not us. Sometimes people, I find people sometimes, they think of it, oh, how can you see them as Kuffar? No, Allah is the one who is using this term. It's not me. So if Allah is using that, that's fine. It's a term. It's not the issue of, uh, uh, it's a derogatory term or something that we're using. It's, It's a label the Muslims use. Allah has used in the Quran. For the people who are not Muslims, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala referred to them as kuffar. Okay. Do you have to hate a kafir and fight them? And uh, uh, sure, that's a separate issue, right? Uh, about what Probably Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says. For example, but in the Allah, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Allah does not love the kuffar. Kuffar means you know because they don't you know recognize Allah. You know. So, inshallah, insha- we'll come back to the. I would say, let's leave the questions okay. and answers. We, we, we as people, do so, we have to eat the kuffar. Let's let's keep I the question answers. Man, does, you're okay. Let's keep the questions if you have right. uh, on the sides. This way, we can just finish one thing yeah. in, in one flow. So, and then we can, uh, I'll try my best to match uh, answer. the answers. Yeah. Also. Okay. Sure. Uh, now, about the yahud, uh, the, the Jews, they yeah. were actually uh, they migrated to al-hijaz <laughs> to Medina. Or the outskirts of Medina from Ashan, They were from Sham, they were getting persecuted actually. And they migrated, uh, and they were from Byzantine, and uh, uh, they, were, they were trying to save themselves from the persecution of Byzantine and Assyrians. So they came to Medina to protect themselves. Now, when they came, they started uh, dressing like the uh, Arabs also. They spoke the language of the Arabs as well but at the same time they kept their own unique identity they did not lose their identity as being yahoo okay so they kept it not only that they used to look down at the arabs they were look they were looking down as they because they thought of themselves as the chosen people so they really looked down at the arabs but they, they, the, spoke they spoke arabic though they spoke good arabic too is that what i'm saying they learned the language they spoke Arabic, they were dressed up like them, okay. but they kept their identity of being Yehud, okay. as, as Jews. And they came from? They A- came A- from uh, Byzantines Syria. and oh. Assyrians. They, they were avoiding the persecution from Byzantines and Assyrians. So they didn't come from Yemen? There may be some from Yemen as well. Okay. But this is the, the one we're talking about, Banu Quraida, Banu Qaynuqa, Banu Yeah, yeah. They came from them. They came from yeah. Byzantine and, and Assyrians. Assyrians. Assyrian persecution. They were trying to avoid that, <coughs> but, but the Byzantine could be up, uh, the, uh, over there, which okay. uh, close to Medina. Syria. Yeah, no, 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 Syria. Not, Sha, Sham is in the north, so they yeah. were coming from Sham. Yeah, Byzantine so is Eastern Rome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So so, uh, uh, so now they, they used to have a. a they, they were very proud to be uh, to be Jews, and actually they used to look at Arabs as they they are illiterate people. They would look at look down like that or uh, as, as naïve or they would call them as, as a brutal and back, backward, they used to refer to them as backward also,
1: okay?
0: and uh, they desired the wealth of their neighbors to be made lawful to them mm-hmm. they used to think it's lawful for them to take the, the, their wealth also and Allah said alayna fil that because they say there is no blame on us betray and take the properties of these, these illiterates referring to Arabs this is how they used to look at the, uh, the, the Muslims or the, the Arabs then uh, but religiously they were not really uh, too much uh, in love of the religion either they were just using them using the religion also uh, and their religion they were using in the field of Being a kahin, fortune tellers, witchcrafting, and also they used to do those uh, tying the knots and do the magic. These kind of uh, uh, things they were they were too much involved in. And uh, they also they excelled really, and you can see many of the things still today, the way they look at the Arabs or the way the kind of things that they're doing. They they were uh, they 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 were very much into earning money. And trades. They excel in trading also. Okay, and not only trade, they actually had the monopoly in certain things. Because they had the monopoly, so they were asking for any kind of a money, outrageous kind of a, a money they were charging. And uh, what they were doing was well, that they were involved in usury, riba. They were giving loans to the people, and in return. They were either taking their lands or their wealth uh, here and there and just uh, usurping the other people's wealth by uh, the means of usury as well. Now, other thing that they did among the Arabs was they were creating some sort of fitna among them so they would continue to fight. They were inciting grudge uh, against uh, the, the different Arab tribes and they were fighting. When they were fighting, they were making money of them. Because of their fights as well. <laughs> OK? Because now they have nothing else to do. They're just fighting. So while they're fighting, they are making money off them <laughs> because of their fights. Yes. they do the same. <laughs> they, they take interest also, right? Usury yeah. is riba. So is riba is interest. Reba. Reba. Yes, usually riba is same thing. Yeah. Yes, in, depend, in, in certain contexts, uh, interest can be the same thing as the usury or riba. Sood. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, they say divide and rule. Yeah. So they were good in corruption. Creating sc- scams in a way so they can make them fight. And uh, while they're fighting, so they are, and the, the moment they realize that the fights are about to be over among them, then they will come up with a new scheme to incite something among them. And we see, we will see that later on, inshallah, that even when the Awaz and Khazr became Muslim, while Rasulullah S. S. was among them, they tried to remind them of the fights they used to have. So they almost got the Sahaba. While Rasulullah was there, they were about to fight with each other again. The kind of a, uh, incitement they did among the, the Muslims even. So, because of that, they... Uh, so this was one of the reasons they hated Muslims Rasulullah when he came. Because when Rasulullah came, he created a brotherhood among the Ansar and Mahajireen and all the Muslims who were coming in. There's a brotherhood was created the love that was created among them. So when they saw that, for them, now their business is going down because of that. So they did not like Rasulullah because of this. That's one reason. Other reason they did not like, because Rasulullah was from the Arabs. And they were hoping that the Prophet who will come, he will be from them. And by the way, this is a very strange thing. They recognize Rasulullah like they recognize their children. As Allah Subhanahu wa taala said, they 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 recognize Rasulullah Sallallahu alaihi wasallam as they recognize their own children. Okay. And then uh, there's a very uh, interesting incident which is mentioned when the when Sallallahu alaihi wasallam came to uh, he migrated and he was staying in Quba. At that time, the father of Safiya bin Yahya uh, ibn Akhtar Okay, Huy- Huyayi ibn the father of Surah Safiyyah, um, um, uh, one of the Umhat al-Mu'mineen. She mentions that she was the most beloved child of her father and even uncle, Abu Yasir. Abu Yasir bin Akhtar. And they always preferred her over all of the children <laughs> in the family. So, she mentions that when Rasulullah ﷺ came, the father uh, and, the, uh, uh, and the brother they said we have to go and see the, pro- the, the prophet in Quba. So when they went to Quba, and they met Rasulullah Alaihi Wasallam and when they came back after they met Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam they were they felt she felt like they are being very lazy lethargic when they're coming back okay like you know death has come to them or something so when they came she heard them talking the uncle Abu Yasir said to Huyayi, uh, "That is it really he, Hamzaasalam, the form?" Uh, then Huyayi said, "It is he. I swear by Allah, it is he." He says, "Okay, did you really recognize him?" They asked. He, he, he said. He answered, "Yes, and my heart is burning with enmity towards him." See that? So his heart was burning, even though he recognizes Allah. And they said they will deny him. This is how uh, the, the Yahud they look at. It. Now now on the flip side of it, there was another Jewish person, a rabbi. As a matter of fact, the most knowledgeable rabbi among them was Abdullah bin Salam Okay. He came to Rasulullah when he arrived in Medina. The first day he went, he went. First Rasulullah came to Medina, he went to meet Rasulullah. He wanted to know. Who's who uh, Muhammad? And he knew the signs that were given to the previous nations that what will be the signs of the Prophet? Muhammad, Muhammad He came, he asked questions to Rasulullah, he was satisfied because he came with a sincere, clear heart. Okay? And he became a Muslim right away. Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu an he became Muslim. Now he said to Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah don't tell the Yahud, the Jews, about my Islam. Don't tell them. Let, let them come and ask him about me first. What they think of me. And Rasulullah asked about uh, Abdullah bin Salam. And their response was, He is the best among us. His father was the best. He's the most knowledgeable among us. Somewhat like these the answers what they gave. Now, Abdullah bin Salam came out. He said, I bear witness that he bear witness Allah is the, is the only entity worthy nobody worthy worship except Allah جل, and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah when they said this right away they started saying accusing him that he is the most evil among us now who just said that statement that he's the best among us they started saying he's the worst among us now he's the most evil among us so they, the category of, uh, have the opposite Testament, uh, testimonies about Abdullah bin Salam, and then Rasulullah sallallahu told them, "O Jews, fear Allah. By Allah, the only one you know that He is the Messenger of Allah sent to people with the truth." They replied, "You are lying." That was the first experience Rasulullah sallallahu had with these people like this, when they were talking directly like this Rasulullah sallam. So they. Uh, they had the grudge against Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam for especially two reasons. One, he was not Arab. Second, because now the whole business is going down the drain because Rasulullah came and he brought the brotherhood among the uh, among the people. Now, while all this was happening, Muslims continued to create problems for the Muslims. When Rasulullah sallam to Medina, they did not leave Rasulullah and Sahaba alone. Okay, and they started reaching out to different tribes as well, and we will see that, uh, inshallah, later on that how uh, they tried to create problems for, uh, for the Muslims in Ma- even while they were in Medina, and there were different battles uh, occurred uh, because of their uh, because of the grudge that they had also against the Muslims. Now, so this is uh, see what, what is the what is something that we can learn out of it, because it's, the purpose is not just to uh, draw a picture of. Uh, the Medina state here, uh, when Rasulullah migrated from Makkah to Medina, the thing is this is the beginning of the Medina state. Beginning. So beginning was with a lot of difficult things that was Muslims were uh, were facing. So if we want to have something like this, we were going to have the similar difficulties as well. If Rasulullah sallallahu wa sallam, the best of the creation, had to go through those things. Why do we always think of it, we are better than him or something? That we will not face any of those difficulties. So, the, the, the best of the generation, right? As Allah said, the best generation is the generation of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then the next one, and then the next one, right? So now, uh, here, we have to take a pause and think about it. Whenever somebody comes up and talk about the Medina state today, and then they try to... Give excuses of not implementing the commands of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, then there is some lying going on here. And people are not being trustful, uh, uh, truthful here when they are talking about Allah's State, but they are not ruling by Islam. This is not truth. This is away from the truth. And they are trying to deceive the people, they are creating a deception for the people. So, uh, we have to analyze wh- whoever it is, whether it's Imran Khan today, or it could be other rulers of the Muslim world, when they try to say about that they are trying to emulate Muhammad's role model on the state level, then we have to compare their role model, whatever they can try to bring up with, with what Rasulullah's Medina state was. That's the thing that we have to compare with. At the end of the day, we are accountable in front of Allah, and the only thing that we can answer back is if we followed the Quran and Sunnah or not. If we follow according to Quran and Sunnah, inshaAllah will be successful. But if we are following anything other than Quran and Sunnah, there is no guarantee for any one of us here. That's true. So that's the way we should analyze. I when we analyze this, we will see that that Rasulullah sallallahu sallam, from the beginning of Madina state until he passed away, you don't find him anytime. That he was compromising with the Medina of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will not, never find that he 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 was trying to com, uh, he committed any sin in implementing the rule of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was masum and he continued to do according to command of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we are commanded to emulate Rasulullah So when we talk about them, the Medina say, even the hardship when Rasulullah and Sahaba were going through, they continued to follow whatever Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, obliged on them. And that's the way we should look at it, inshallah. And we'll see the rest of the Medina time we'll be covering that how Rasulullah uh, was implementing Islam in the Medina in the next coming lectures. Rabbil Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Seerah are available at islampodcasts.com